Of course, take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 1. And while you're turning there, again, I want to uh, thank God publicly for answering some of the, the prayers we, we prayed in our church. Uh, Brother Jason mentioned one this morning. Uh, last Wednesday night, again, we prayed for a new face, and the Lord sent us a brand new face we had never seen before. And uh, we also prayed for return faces, as Brother Ben puts it. I like the way he puts it. People who come back the first time, we want them to come back the second time. We want them to come back the third and fourth, fifth time, and so on. Um, we had many return faces today. Uh, Calvin, his wife, and his children. And uh, we had a, a friend uh, that came before with Sister Sue that had returned. And uh, we just thank God for that. Amen. Uh, it's amazing what God does when we pray for the advancement and the uh, upbuilding of his kingdom. Amen. It's almost like you can believe what he said, isn't it? That he said, and I, that's a rhetorical question. It means you can believe what he said. He said, if, if ye seek his kingdom first, all these things will be added unto you. Amen. We praise God for that. A couple of prayer requests I want us to keep praying for as a church. Uh, number one, we, we want to see a soul in every pew. We want to see somebody in every single pew in our church. Because we got a pew, there should be somebody sitting in it. Amen. We got a gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There should be somebody hearing it. And uh, so we want to see a soul in every pew of our church. And uh, somebody reminded me this morning, I know God can do that. Amen. God can do that. And let's keep praying for an organ player too. Amen. Let's keep praying for that too. All right, the book of Mark, chapter number 1. We're going to begin at verse number verse number, 11, verse number 12, excuse me. Mark chapter 1, verse number 12. And then we're going to be in Matthew 4 right after that. So Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter number 4. Again, notice how fast things are happening in the book of Mark. It is a book of action. We have uh, in the beginning the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the appearance of John the Baptist, then Jesus being baptized. We have, a, uh, we have a voice from heaven. We have the spirit like a dove. We have the sun coming out of the water. And then notice the word immediately in verse number 12. Action, action. Things are happening. So verse number 12. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. So it's immediately after Jesus our Lord was baptized of John in Jordan. He left there, and the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. In verse 13, And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning's service. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. Lord, we pray that your word would eternally grip us, and as we're listening tonight, that you would give us the spiritual awakening that this is the Word of God, that this Bible in our hands and our lap is the eternal Word of God. And that God, that you would do something to the personality of our church, that the personality of our church would be gripped by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would have a profound appreciation of the Bible, and so much so we would read it, We'd meditate on it, we would crave it, and we would esteem it, as Job did, more than our necessary food. Lord, I pray you would change us. Our view of Scripture would become higher. Lord, then we know that only your grace can do that. 
And we know, Lord, only your mercy could bring us to that. Lord, awaken us to the truth of Scripture so we might be awakened to the truth that's in Scripture. Lord, I pray we'd only hear it, but we do it. And have us not to be arrogant to think that it's not for us. Lord, I pray your word would do something incredible to us and it'd build up your church here by it. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. We now turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark is very brief on this occasion in the life of Jesus, and Mark does that a lot. But it is, I think, so noteworthy and significant that it, it, it does, I think, demand some attention. So thank God we have the book of Matthew 2, amen? So we have all this information that God has given us. And it's wonderful, isn't it? So when you say, so I wonder if there's more about this story. I'm glad you can go to the book of Matthew. And you could read some more about it and learn some more about it. So God has given us what we need. And God has given us what he wants us to know. Think about that. God gives you this because he wants you to know it. So those of us that have ears to hear, let's hear what God wants us to know. So if we turn to Matthew chapter 4, we have more detail about what Mark mentioned in chapter number 1 of the gospel according to Mark. And beginning in verse 1 to verse, to verse number 11, that we have more detail. So what happened when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan? So let's read there in verse 1. Then, when Jesus, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. So you can go, and, you can go a day skipping a meal, amen? Somebody said, I don't know. Yeah, it's possible, amen, it is. And the Bible speaks of the benefits and blessings of fasting and prayer, telling your flesh no, just telling it you're not in charge and showing it that the, that the flesh is not in charge, rather. Keep it under subjection. So Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him up on a pinnacle of the temple. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Notice Satan is using Scripture to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he uses the Word of God and he'll twist it in its interpretation. It'll change a word or its application to deceive you and trick you. And that's what he's doing with Jesus. I like how the Bible describes him, the tempter came. And that's what he is. He's the tempter. He tempts you. And so the Bible says in verse number 7, Jesus responded and said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse number 8, Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You might think, well, that's strange. How can the devil do that? Because he is the God of this world. That's why he can. He is the prince of the power of the air. He right now is in charge of spiritual wickedness in high places. And so the Bible says that verse number 9, 
The devil said, if, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Think about it. The devil wants Jesus to worship him. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto him in verse number 10, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. What a rebuke. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Did you catch those two occasions? Don't tempt the Lord thy God, devil. And then he says, that secondly, he said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Especially the first occasion, Jesus is saying, Don't tempt me. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. Notice how Jesus is making himself in the, is equal with God to the devil. Then the Bible says in verse number 11, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So some obvious observations first. Number one, the glaring obvious thing is, there is a real, literal devil. There really is one. There is one. You say, well, again, we can take this morning's message, and let's take creation, the truth of creation, and put it with this. If we, if we doubt that, then we can begin to doubt other things about Scripture. And so since we hold to the, to the inerrant, absolute truth of Scripture, we hold to this position. Now, if you're a believer for any length of time, you can say this, amen, there is a devil. I mean, I could see the devil anywhere. There is a devil, and it's obvious, and it's glaring, and you'd have to have your eyes gouged out and your ears stuffed with wax and to never experience one moment on planet Earth for, to think that there is not evil in the world and there is not a devil in the world. So the Bible says it's very clear and obvious, obviously, there is a devil. The second obvious truth is this, that notice when Jesus came under spiritual attack, that temptation comes after great spiritual episodes. Temptation will come after a great spiritual episode in your life. So you might think sometimes, why is it that I am high up on the mountaintop and sometimes in the middle of that spiritual moment, of spiritual clarity and greatness and glory, and I could even use the word ecstasy. It can be ruined by a moment of temptation. That you could have the best Christian gospel service we've ever had, and then that Sunday night could be the driest, dreariest, coldest service we've ever had. Why is it that a lot of times that when you have a high spiritual moment, the devil comes and attacks you? Because he don't want you to stay in that position, that's why. And so Jesus, he's, he's been baptized, a voice from heaven, the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, he's the Son of God, his public ministry has began, and then 40 days later, he is tempted of the devil in the wilderness. So don't be surprised, the closer you get to Jesus, the more experiences you have fighting temptation. Don't be shocked in your life. When you get close to God, the devil will get closer to you. If you get closer to Jesus, he's going to try to pull you away from him. And so we see an obvious truth. It's like it's, it's immediately happening to Jesus. That Jesus has a spiritual episode, a great spiritual public moment, and he is immediately tempted of the devil. Matthew Henry said, I read today, the enriched soul shall du should double its guard. 
And so if you really are close to Jesus, then you better double your soul's guard because the devil will do everything he can to knock you away from a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Some people say, well, I don't ever fight the devil. Then you're not close to Jesus. You're not. So I don't ever have problems with the devil. Well, well, that means that he don't ever ever, ever have problems with you. And if the devil don't ever have problems with you, then that's a problem, isn't it? If you're not fighting Satan daily, then you're not walking close to Jesus. Think about what that means. He's not worried about you. If he ain't worried about you, then something's wrong with you spiritually. Amen? If you're not fighting the good fight of faith, then you're not in the faith. If you're not constantly dealing with the devil, his demons, his spirit... His, this world, then you are heading his direction. He don't have to waste no time with you. He's not worried about you at all. But G, the devil's worried about what Jesus is doing. And if you're fighting Satan on a regular, I mean sometimes it is a fight. It is, it is I mean a fight. I'm not talking about backaches. Lost people have backaches. I'm not talking about car wrecks. Atheists have car wrecks. I'm not at all talking about I blew my knee out. Everybody will blow their knee out. That's not at all what I'm talking about. That's not at all what any of that means. I mean spiritual battles in your life. I mean you're getting hit head on by the devil, his power, his temptations, his doubts, his fights. It is, a, it is almost to, to the point of weariness and dread to wake up in the morning. Here we go again. If Really, if that isn't going on, if it's not a fight, then something is wrong with your profession of faith. Why, did, why do you think Paul said, so fight I? Why, why do you think he said, I keep my body under subjection? Why do you say, I run that I might obtain it is a fight. We wrestled not against flesh and blood. It is a fight, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. I remember this vividly. It, it's, a, it's when you do something too publicly. And it don't even really matter, I don't think, if you're sincere or not. Because you've made yourself public for Jesus' sake. Almost better if you're a fake. Because if you attach your name to Jesus Christ publicly and the devil can make a mockery of Jesus' name because you're attached to it, then so be it. He, all he wants to do is make Jesus look bad. That's it. He don't really care about you. He's worried about the gospel. He wants Jesus to look bad in the, in the eyes of the world. He wants this church to look bad in the eyes of the world. He don't care about you. He's never cared about you. Now, I want you to notice something. The devil is not omnipresent. That means he can't be everywhere all the time at the same place like God can. And I don't know if I've ever been actually tempted by the devil himself because he can't be everywhere all the time. But if his little minions, his demons, his spirits, his power in this world isn't at odds with you, then something is desperately wrong with the direction you're traveling in. It really is. I remember I made my public announcement. I, was gonna, I had no idea what I was saying. I was going to start preaching the gospel. I remember I stood right here and Brother Dean handed me a microphone and I said, I'm announcing my call to preach. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what that was going to mean. I had zero experience. I had no clue. I had absolutely no understanding of what was going on. And from that moment on, from that day, it seems like, though, that something has been trying to disrupt that work in my life. 
And before that happened, and I was just a silent church member that never served Christ in a way that would advance his kingdom in any capacity, he didn't left me alone. But in that moment, a war was declared. And if you can't say that I don't matter what you're doing for Jesus, but if it's something for Jesus, then there's going to be opposition to it. Every single time there will be. And Jesus declared his public ministry. And what happens? Temptation came after a great spiritual episode in his life. Obviously this too. Temptation follows after baptism. Jesus is baptized. He's immediately tempted in the wilderness. You know when the devil wants to wreck somebody the most? Right after they get saved and right after they get baptized. To walk in newness of life, he's going to do everything in his power to disrupt that new walk in that young Christian's life. That's why the church has to be sound and solid and loving and kind. And we got to disciple people because the devil wants them in the water and never to be in the church building again. And to never serve the Lord Jesus Christ in any way to further his kingdom. And so an obvious glaring truth is this. Do something for Jesus. Do something for God. Have a great spiritual episode. And the devil will come immediately to try to quench that good work that God is doing. Notice also that it's, it's in the wilderness. The contrast here is amazing in this scene in the life of Jesus. Now remember... Adam sinned, he's the first man, and he ruined it for all of us. 1 Corinthians 15 says in the Bible that Jesus is the second Adam. Adam is the federal head of a fallen human race. Jesus is the federal head of a new race. Saints who are born again, children of the living God through his power and his grace. Adam, the first Adam brought death. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, he brought what? He brought life. In Adam, all die. In Jesus, all are made alive. So I've said it this way before. Jesus is reversing the curse. He came to undo what Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. Now notice, Adam fought the devil in paradise and he lost. Jesus is fighting the devil in wilderness, in the wilderness, because of sin. And Jesus beat the devil against his temptations. So the second Adam comes along in the wilderness. And he defeats the devil. The first Adam lost it in the Garden of Eden. Now, notice how the devil tempts Jesus. Now, if, if you were listening carefully, the devil came, according to our text, when Jesus was alone. And the devil will tempt you the same way. He'll tempt you when you're alone. Now, I know there's public temptation. I know there's peer pressure. But the devil often comes when you're alone. He comes when you're alone on the internet. He comes when you're alone on the television. He comes in the aloneness of your mind. He comes when you have no accountability whatsoever. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's there to judge you. You can do whatever you want to do. So when you're alone, you be careful. Amen? And if you have trouble being alone, then try to arrange it that you're not alone. If you can't make it in the wilderness, then don't go. If your wife goes to bed, then you need to go to bed too, maybe. If you have trouble being alone, and that's when the temptation comes, then avoid being alone. Amen? Because the, the, Joseph, he teaches us that if he had not ran away from Potiphar's wife and he'd have stayed there in that room, he would have fallen under the load of temptation. But what did he do? He ran away and he got out of there. 
So notice the devil came when Jesus was alone. Notice also verses 2 and 3, and when he had fasted in Matthew 4, 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. The devil came to Jesus when he was physically weak. And the devil will tempt us also when we're physically weak and we're physically tired. Have you noticed that? You experienced that? You fight the devil all day long and there at the very end, right before you go to bed, you, you succumb to that temptation. You are alone and you are weak and you think you've made it, but take heed lest you fall. Amen? So the devil comes to Jesus when he was alone and he came to Jesus the moment that Jesus was at his weakest and he was most hungry. And when he was afterward and hungered, verse number 3, the tempter came to him. And that's the pattern he often takes. When we're weak, when we're tired, and we're alone, he comes. At our weakest, most vulnerable moments, he comes. Notice this also. Notice the use of the word if. In verse number 3, the devil says to Jesus, if thou be the Son of God. In verse number 6, again, if thou be the Son of God. He, he tries to discredit your status. If you're really a Christian, if he impose, inserts doubt into your life, don't he? Oftentimes when you mess up afterwards, he'll go, you must not be a Christian. So the devil, the devil tempts you, the devil tempts you to do it. This is important. The devil tempts you to do it. He talks you into doing it. And then when you do it, he says you shouldn't have done it. He tempts you to do it. And when you do it, he says you shouldn't act that way. Like he's the expert on righteousness. Like him saying, how dare you behave like that? Well, how dare you, devil? How dare you? Amen. And he's trying to discredit your spiritual status. He's trying to alienate you from the source of life and hope and peace. He's trying, you're, you, you can't be a child of God acting like that. He tries to wreck your spiritual self-esteem, don't he? He tries to discredit your position in the family. And, and people go through that and they say, you know, I, I went through all that. I, I just felt so unworthy to go back to church. That's what he did to him. Well, I can't pray now after I did that. That's what he's doing. If you're a Christian, you really did that and you're a Christian. You, de devil say, does it me all the time. You can't, you're unworthy to get up there and preach. I say, amen, I, that's right, I am unworthy. I am unworthy to get up there and preach. But I'm glad it's not the person, the righteousness of the preacher, but it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If thou be the Son of God. And so he's trying to wreck your spiritual life. He's ruining your spiritual self. You're not, you're not worthy. And the devil's inserting that in Jesus' mind, and he's saying, hey, look, he's using that against him. If you're the Son of God, then you've got power to do this. If you're the Son of God, you can do these things. He's inserting the word if, doubt. His greatest tool, I think, spiritually against God's people is inserting doubt. Does that what the Bible really means? Is that what God really said? Can I, can I really believe what the Scriptures say? Hath God said, Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse number 1, is it when He came to, the, came to Eve and tempted her? Did God really say that? Notice the word if. Now look how the devil tempts Jesus. He came when he was alone. He came when he was, when he was, when he was weak and tired. He inserts the word if into the conversation. But the devil tempts Jesus with the exact same temptations that are currently in the world today. 
In 1 John chapter 2, you can listen. Verse number, verse number 15. God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible says, for all that is in the world, here's what is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So you sin, you fall to temptation in those three categories every time. It's either one of them or a combination of the three or all the three. The devil tempts you by the lust of, the, of your flesh, by the lust of your eyes, like I got to have him. Or I got to have her. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. If I, if I could have this, I'll feel better about myself. I will be like, I'll be lifted up. I'll be applauded. I'll be appreciated. I'll be like the most high. My kingdom will be higher than the throne of God. Sound familiar? Why was the devil kicked out of heaven? The Bible says that he said, I want to be like the most high. I want my position elevated. I want to be appreciated. I want to be respected. I want people to be proud of me. I want people to like me. I want to look better than this person. I want to feel better than this other person. And I'm going to buy things, live in a way that I can achieve that because I want myself to be lifted up. And we sin that way. And the devil comes to us like that and he... Through the lust of our eyes, we see something, we crave it, we want it. Our flesh wants it. Is that not how it is? That's how it is, isn't it? Try to quit eating donuts. It's the same thing on a small scale. I want that donut. The only way you can get to quit eating donuts is get that thing out of your house. You also, and I'm, this is, I'm joking, but it serves the illustration. You know when you eat donuts a lot? I can have one donut right before I go to bed. That don't count. That don't count. When you're alone, when you're tired, notice when our weaknesses come. And so we sin that way. Though we do every time. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All of that is how the devil tempts us. We respond to that way and we fall that way too. If you go all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, and the conversation that the devil has with Eve. In Genesis chapter number 3, look what happened in verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw the lust of the flesh. And it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. She craved it in her body. She craved it. She wants it. I mean, she could have had all the other ones, but she wanted that one. You ever notice the devil tempts you with things that you can't have? Have you ever noticed, what is it, that forbidden fruit tastes sweeter to your flesh? But afterwards it gives you a spiritual tummy ache, don't it? So, the Bible says that Eve saw that the tree was good for food. That's lust of the flesh. She wanted that food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. She looked, she loved the way it looked. She craved it with her eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. That's the world. She, 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 what is she saying? I can, I can know things that other people don't know. I could be like God. I, I could elevate my position. And she's willing to do anything to achieve it. 
Let's be honest with ourselves. A lot of that even is the clothes. We decide the clothes we wear from these things. The vehicles we sometimes buy we can't even afford. The houses that we buy that maybe the other one was fine and God wanted us to be thankful for it and appreciate it. But we, went, uh, we overextended our lives to the point of creating misery in our lives and spiritual problems because our, let's be honest, if our finances are a wreck, that affects a lot of things, don't it? And so the devil, what does he do? This is, this is how it works, isn't it? So Jesus goes out in the wilderness and he's the only one that never didn't succumb to it. And you and I, we are tempted by what we see, by what we crave, and and what it could do to our lives, the pride of life. It can elevate us, and we'll do anything, won't we, that will look good in the eyes of other people or look good in our own eyes, and we will literally sell our souls for it. That's what the devil does. He's playing on what you want so bad. It's like a two-edged sword. Three, you're a fallen creature. You want, you, it's your nature to disobey God. You want these things. You, you crave them with your eyes. You crave them with your body. You crave them with your f- flesh. You want it. It can elevate you, make you look good, feel good. I mean, you, you could be like the fountain of youth if you could just have this or be with this person or enjoy this thing. If you could just have one night of this and you could feel young again or feel strong again and be, be respected again. And people are running around the roads, they're buying cars that, I mean, it's 40% of their income just so some stranger next to them can say, wow. And they have 84-month finances now. What's, fi- what's the interest rate now? Just so some stranger can look across the lane next to them and say, wow, that person has got it made. Really, that person's in debt up to their eyeballs. Amen, that's right, ain't it? Really, that's what's true. You think, well, is the devil really involved in that business? Yeah, absolutely. You know why? Because it keeps you away from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why. I'm so reminded to say it, that must mean I must. Philippians chapter number 4, verse 13, every athlete writes it on their cleat or their basketball shoe or their tennis racket that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But what the context of that chapter is, is that Paul said, I can be content in any situation. I've learned to be content no matter what I'm facing. I've learned to be content if I have lost everything and I can do all of that through Christ which strengtheneth me. And this whole society we're living on is predicated on the idea that my life will be better if I have more, if people think more of me, and if I can get what I want. And by golly, if I want it, I'm going to get it because I deserve it. But you know what you and I deserve? To bust hell wide open. That's what we deserve. But you know what? I've worked hard enough and I deserve it. I want to just say, wah, 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 you baby, right? That's what Dave Ramsey would say. I got it from him. And that is how the devil wrecks you and me. Every affair that's ever happened in the Christian church has happened because the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life And a man, I'll use a man for an example because I'm one, he'll surrender his whole family, He'll even like he's happily married and he has kids, and he will sacrifice it all because that makes him feel 
like a man. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the things that are in the world. Amen? You've met them? It's in you. Now, before we get all high and haughty, every single one of us deals with that. Every single one of us on a daily basis battle that, don't we? Every one of us. All of us do those things. All of us do. So before you go run through the catalog of your mind and say, well, I remember what they did. What about you? What about you? What about, because there's only one man that ever whipped the devil. And it's Jesus Christ. So you say, well, I'm glad. I'm thinking of a story now, preacher. I know it, but you know what? Somebody, you might be somebody's story. They might be saying, I, yeah, I remember when, the, when Jason did that, but Jason might be thinking about what Bryson did. These are the things that are in the world. Okay? So the same thing happened to Eve. She saw the food. She, made, she wanted to eat it. Lust of the flesh. I mean, her flesh wanted it. Let me, let me stop. Add something. Jesus said, if anyone seek to come after me, let him learn to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That if you and your Christian life don't exercise self-denial, and you don't die daily, and you don't tell your flesh no, and you don't say no to the cravings of your flesh, why do you think, we was joking, uh, two friends of mine before service about fasting, what is the point of that? Is it just to lose weight? No, it's so you are telling your body no. It's reining it in. It's saying you're not in charge, body. You're not in charge, flesh. Jesus is in charge. He's in charge. That's the point. And if you don't start making it a habit to just pick something even nuts and that's something you want so bad, every once in a while exercise that and say, I'm not going to have it for two days because I can live without it, but I can't live without Jesus. And every time I want it so bad, I'm going to pray to Jesus. And every time my flesh wants it so bad, I'm going to run to Jesus. And what starts happening is you spiritually are exercising self-denial and your flesh is getting weaker and your spirit is getting stronger. And then you could say like John the Baptist last week, I must decrease that he might increase. So we go back to Matthew 4. It's the same thing, exactly. So the devil says, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What is that? That's the lust of the flesh. Jesus, you're so hungry. You're so hungry. You can just eat. Aren't you? Just do it. In verse number 5, the pride of life. The devil taketh him up into the holy city and standeth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. What is, what is the devil saying? What is he saying? It's, it's the pride of life. He's saying, Hey, you're the Son of God. I mean, show yourself to be the Son of God. I mean, jump down and let the angels pick you up. It'll be awesome, Jesus. People will think so much of you if you'll do it. If you'll do it, people will be so impressed by you, Jesus. Just do it. It'll make yourself feel great. Do it. He doesn't. And the last one, we're missing one, right? We have the lust of the flesh. We have the pride of life. What about the lust of the eyes? Look at verses 
verses 8 and 9. And the devil, taking him up to an exceeding high mountain, showed them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He said, I'll give them to you in verse number 9. The devil's showing Jesus, you can have Hollywood, Jesus. You can have Vegas, Jesus. You can have all the money in Fort Knox. Everything you see, everything you see, Jesus, I'll give it to you. Everything you see, man, I'll give it to you. Ladies, you can go to, I was at Belk yesterday. I was in there like 10 minutes. I thought, I'll order it online. No way I'm doing this. <laughs> True story. <laughs> you say, did you go shopping at Belk on purpose? No, Nathan had a football thing, and so I went to Belk. I thought I'd get some church clothes, but I hate shopping. You know what I'm saying, Blake? I mean, so I had to get out of there. I do it online. Thank God for that. That's one good thing good about the Internet. Amen. You can have all these clothes. Ladies, you can have all the dresses on the rack if you'll just devote yourself to other things instead of prayer, Bible reading, dragging your kids to church. You should work a little bit harder and marry the richest guy in town and all the other ladies will think you're awesome. It's the pride of life. I mean, don't you get it? The devil's saying, don't, listen, this is it, people. That's what the devil's saying. You can have it all and that's what he's doing. You can have it all. Do you know what? They can have it all. But at the loss of Jesus, they can have it all. Why did Jesus say, what would it profit a man or woman if he should gain the whole world and lose their soul? What profit would that be? Amen. Now what's cool about this story is, and I'm, obviously I'm closing, you saw the Bible shut. Some of you are like, it's past seven, Josh. Who cares? Amen. What's, what's great about this I'm under this opinion. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not under the opinion that Jesus is just randomly victimized in the wilderness. I think Jesus was going to look for a fight. That, I'm under this conviction. It's my conviction. I, I think because it makes sense even biblically. You can, form, you can have a different opinion. That's fine. But what Adam lost in paradise, Jesus is regaining it in the wilderness. And I think he went out there, got weak, quit eating, broke down his body, and in a weakened state, because he's a man too, he's waiting on him. Come on. Let's go. Let's roll. I want them, my people, to know that I cannot sin. You say, well, that kind of waters it now. No, he cannot. He came. He came on earth to conquer. He came that the captain of our salvation might be made perfect through, through sufferings. Hebrews 2. He was tempted in all points even as we are yet without sin. He's proven to you and I that you can trust in the conquering Savior. I believe he was waiting on the devil to come. I've been waiting on you, big guy. Let's go. No, no, no. And there's one last obvious truth. Notice how Jesus defeats the devil. In verse number 4, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.2. When the devil said, you can have, make these stones bread, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 3, excuse me. In verse, num verse number 7, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. After he said, once you cast yourself down, the angels can pick you up. Jesus quoted in verse number 7, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. 
When the devil shows him all the kings in the world with his eyes, and the devil says, you can have all of this, Jesus, if you'll follow me. And the devil does the same thing today. You can have all of this if you don't follow Jesus. And he's right. You can have it all that the world can give you if you don't follow Jesus. And Jesus quotes to him, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You know what's great about that? Is that Jesus beat the devil with the exact same scripture that you're holding in your hands. The exact same one. It's not a different one. It's not like you say, well, I wish I had what Jesus had. You have it. It's the exact same Bible. That's what Jesus beat the devil with. So more Bible. More Bible. More Bible. And you'll notice this when you're in, tempt, in a moment of temptation and you know scripture. Let's say the devil's tempted you. Why don't you look at that? Why don't you click on that? You can quote scripture where it says, abstain from fornication with warreth against the soul. You quote it and watch the power of temptation quench and the devil flee from your life. Read scripture, know scripture, quote scripture, and watch Jesus have the victory in your life. Amen? Read scripture, quote scripture, know scripture, and watch God have victory in your life. Amen? You got everything Jesus had. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll sing together.